I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's pastime. Rounding third with Manish Jane. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the Pittsburgh Pirates and PNC Park. At every stadium that I go to, I talk to no less than 50 to 100 people. By the end of this tour, I will have talked to thousands of individuals. And when people find out that I'm doing this 30 stadium tour, inevitably, the first question I'm always asked is, so what's your favorite ballpark? Obviously, that is a question that I'm not going to be able to answer until I've done all 30. The problem is, even when I've done all 30, that is an almost impossible question to answer. As I tell people, every single ballpark is so incredibly unique, I don't know what the parameters would be for considering one better than the other. Am I ranking them by food, by atmosphere, by the view, by architectural splendor. <laughs> I don't know. It's there's there's so many different parameters that go into what makes a great baseball park that I could make a case for virtually all at this point 27 stadiums for being near the top of the list. The second thing that people oftentimes say to me is, "Oh, well, wait till you get to PNC. PNC will answer that question for you." It is amazing to me how, I'm not going to say every stadium I've gone to, but at least half of them, I have met at least one person, whether it's sitting in the stands or on the tour that I go on or just randomly on the street, and they will tell me, wait, just wait, wait until you get to PNC, because your, your answer will become very clear once you get to PNC. I'm not ready to put PNC as the best ballpark in America, but without a shadow of a doubt, And I have Philadelphia, Toronto, and Boston to go. But without a shadow of a doubt, PNC Park is bar none the prettiest ballpark I have seen in my entire life. And I emphasize the word pretty. There is no better word to describe this stadium and how it sits in downtown Pittsburgh and and the surrounding area and the the Clemente Bridge and just everything about it. Everything about this stadium was unbelievable. I'm not even (laughs) really sure where to start. There is so much to talk about this stadium that there might not even be enough time in this episode to go over it all. Because there is an interview that I did with a woman named Karen Hoffman that I cannot wait to play for you. Uh, Some of you may know that name already. She was the first ever female sports writer from North Dakota and She was also the first female sports writer to win the Sports Writer of the Year Award, which is sponsored by the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. Truly an incredible woman. And I ended up talking to her for almost 20 minutes. (laughs) And, And had there not been a game going on behind us, we may have talked for another four hours. So in an effort to keep this this episode at a manageable time. What I'm going to do is just talk for a couple of minutes about how much I love this stadium and why I love this stadium, and then I'm going to go ahead and just play the interview uninterrupted and end the podcast. So the first thing that I need to mention is just the city of Pittsburgh itself. I will fully admit my ignorance and just flat-out stupidity at not knowing the geography of Pittsburgh. For those of you who have been there or live there, this is no surprise to you, but good 
Lord, is Pittsburgh a beautiful, beautiful city. So much greenery I, that I was not expecting. And my dumb brain, <laughs> I, I was expecting, I don't know what I was expecting, but you hear the moniker Steel City and I think, you know, rough and tumble and, I don't know, dirt and, and cement and <laughs> I don't know. I'm an idiot. I'm, I'm fully admitting right now. I'm just an absolute idiot. I was not fully prepared for how beautiful Pittsburgh is. I got to the stadium a couple of hours early and I was once again incredibly disappointed that I'm, I was only in town for such a short time. Because there is so much down there that I could explore that I just didn't have time for. Much like, as I mentioned in my Tigers podcast about Comerica Park, the stadium is located in such a perfect area. So just like the Twins and the Reds and, and the Tigers, et cetera, et cetera, all these great new stadiums that are building their ballparks either in downtown or as near to the downtown area as possible, I'm a huge proponent of surrounding the ballpark with bars and restaurants because it just makes the atmosphere so much more lively and engaging and inviting. It just makes the pregame and the postgame so much fun. So instead of just a three-hour ball game, essentially, it's an, it's an entire day out. You show up to the ballpark around 3.34 or 5 o'clock, you can have a nice early dinner, go to a ball game, and then afterwards, go to a bar afterwards. It is the perfect day that they have set up for you down there in Pittsburgh. The thing that people kept telling me about PNC Park and why I was going to love it so much is the view and how pretty it is. And so because of that, when I bought my tickets, I purposely tried to buy my tickets for the upper deck behind home plate so I could take advantage of such a lovely view. I initially thought that I was buying tickets for the club level, which for most ballparks, you'll have the field level and then you'll have the club level, which is... Uh, one floor above that, and then one floor above that will be your upper decks, and that's where you know the nosebleed seats are, and that's where generally the cheap seats are. So I was making my way up to the club level seats, and all of a sudden I noticed that I'm on the, essentially the top floor of the stadium, and I kind of look around and I think, well, oh, did, did I miss it? Was I so engrossed by the <laughs> by my surroundings that I walked too far? And I kind of look around, and I notice, uh, no, I guess the club level is the top level. All right, this is interesting. Let me go check out my seats. So I find an usher and he takes me to my seats, which are on the club level. <laughs> and I look up and, and I realize, oh, okay. So at PNC, the club level is the upper deck, basically. And you'd think, well, that must be such a ripoff. You're paying so much money and you're sitting so high up in the air. No, absolutely not. The way this park is built, I don't care where you're sitting you feel like you're on top of the field. It only seats about 38,500 people, which to me is the perfect size for a ballpark. You don't want to get any more than 41, 42. Between 38 and 40 is really where I feel you're going to get the best bang for your buck. Because in addition to having the 38,500 seats at PNC, they have that giant rotunda, which can be filled full of standing room only, which you can stand three or four deep for, the, for a playoff run or for a rivalry game or for whatever it may be. There's plenty of places to, to, to shove some folks in there. But for an 81-game season, if you can draw 38,000-plus to your ballpark on average, you're doing a pretty good job. You know, one of the most frustrating things that I've seen over the summer is empty seats at the ballpark. Oftentimes, they're the ones directly behind home plate that are left empty because those are the very, very expensive 
corporate seats, the $80,000, $100,000 a year season ticket holder seats. But even, even outside of those crazy expensive seats, I always see scattered empty seats everywhere. And when you've got a stadium that seats 42, 44, 45, 50,000 people, it's going to be a lot harder to fill that place, even to the point where it looks full. Even if you have 38,000 people in a place like, let's say, Coors Field, it looks like it's half empty because there's just so many empty seats. Same thing at the Coliseum in Oakland. You could have 40,000 people sitting in those seats, but it still looks half empty. Here in Pittsburgh, they got it right. It's 38,500, and then we can add a couple thousand more in the rotunda if necessary. My club level seats were only $63, and I say only $63 because, once again, for, for a club seat with your own private you know, uh, restaurants and bathrooms and, and sh- shelter in case there's rain, it's, it's, it's not bad compared to some of the other stadiums. So as I sat there, I realized I had screwed up a little bit. I was in Pittsburgh on a weekend, and I wasn't able to get there Friday night, so I was there on a Saturday. And the only game time that was available on Saturday was 4 o'clock p.m. There weren't playing any night games over the weekend that I was there. Everyone told me that the reason why the view at PNC is so beautiful is that at night everything gets lit up outside of the stadium. So I sat there very dejected thinking, okay, I like this view. There is Downtown Pittsburgh is absolutely pretty. You've got the riverfront to look at, the bridges, the nice buildings. You really feel like you're a part of the city when you're sitting inside the stadium. But in the middle of the day, it's not that pretty. So I sat there a bit dejected, a bit frustrated, realizing, ah, I ruined it. I should have been able to see this stadium at night, but now I don't have the chance. But it's a four o'clock start. So maybe, just maybe, if there's an extra inning game, It'll go till 8, 8.30, so let's all pray. And I got all my seatmates, and we all together were willing this game to continue on. All of a sudden, though, in the third inning, the Arizona Diamondbacks put a six spot on the board, and it was eight to nothing very, very quickly. <laughs> and my extra innings plan was looking less and less likely. But in the bottom of the third the Pittsburgh Pirates decided to give a little something to me. And they scored four in the bottom of the third, making it eight to four. And all of a sudden, it was only the third inning, and it was already after 6 p.m. This game was dragging. It might not go into extra innings, but with a high-scoring game, there's always a possibility that this thing is going to go on for a very long time. The final score ended up being 15-5 to because the Diamondbacks put up seven runs in the eighth and ninth innings. They scored four in the eighth and three in the ninth. They kept on scoring, and by the end of the game, the seatmates that were left, the, the folks that were sitting around me that hadn't left the game early, we were all just, it was kind of, kind of amazing to see some Pirates fans very unselfishly rooting for the Pirates to give up a run or two more just so we could extend the game a little bit longer so I could get a nice view of the stadium at night. So the game ends up ending around eight, uh, eight o'clock, which was a little bit too early for the real sunset to come down. Sunset was about 8.14, 8.15 on my game day. And so I very cleverly decided, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to stick around 
until they kick me out. I, I, I need to see this stadium lit up. I need to see this city lit up. This is what everybody has been telling me for months, for months. You got to see PNC. PNC is the prettiest park. So for the first couple minutes, I kind of just hang out there as everyone's filing out. I see the ushers talking to folks. And <laughs> then I kind of, quote unquote, drop my lens. And I'm underneath the seats looking for my lens cap for my camera, telling, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm just looking for my lens cap. Just I'll, as soon as I find it, I'll be out of here. The next thing I notice, everybody is gone. Even the ushers have left. I am now the only person left in my section. And I look up. And I see security guards coming my way. Now, they don't see me quite yet. So I make my way down from the seat where I was at, down to the very front row that was kind of being blocked off by the camera well. So I find a seat that is strategically placed where, unless you're really looking for me, you can't see me. I'm a five foot six little man. I can blend in pretty easily. So I sat there for about 15 minutes. Sunset comes. I, can, I start seeing the buildings light up a little bit. My heart starts to race as I realize that I am the only person left in this ballpark. I, the ushers have gone home. Everyone else has gone home. I've seen, I can see the security guards walking up and down the aisles, and I can see the guys and girls power washing the seats for tomorrow's game. But other than that, it's just me. And then the next thing I see, the tarp is coming onto the field. So they are, they are shutting down the stadium for the day. And I'm just sitting there anxiously waiting, anxiously waiting to get a shot of PNC Park at night. Another 15 minutes goes by, and I see the Clemente Bridge starting to light up. And that is when my heart slowed down. And that is when my anxiety went away because everyone was right. It was unbelievable how quickly, as soon as it got dark, I zenned out. I had been so anxious. I had been so worried. I didn't want anybody to yell at me. I didn't want to get anybody else in trouble. I just wanted to get them. I just wanted to get a picture. That's already all I wanted. I just wanted to get one picture for the website. And as I sat there and the sun set and the lights turned on, a sense of calm just washed right over me. If you're ever going to go see a game at PNC Park, you need to see it at night. PNC Park is the prettiest ballpark in America, period. Please head on over to roundingthird.net where you can see a couple of the photos that I was able to snap and you can see the result of my clever little ruse to, <laughs> to stay a little bit later than everybody else. I ended up leaving the stadium and, yeah, pretty much being the absolute last person that was there. So... If there were any security guards that saw me and were very gracious enough to allow me to just sit and get a picture, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Like I said, I was in no way, shape, or form trying to cause any trouble. I just, it was, it was worth it. It was so completely worth it. PNC Park is so unbelievably beautiful. So please check out roundingthirder.net. There you'll be able to find some more of my thoughts about why I love the stadium so much because right now what I want to do is move on and I want to play this interview for you because Karen was so cool and, and so impressive and it was really fun to talk to a trailblazer. You know, this is a woman who 
I, I wish we had more time so I could have gotten into the specifics of what it was like to be one of the only women in the locker room during the 1979 World Series. She has lived an incredible life and is worthy of, of much more than a 20-minute interview on this podcast. But for the time being, we get to all enjoy some words of wisdom from Karen Hoffman. And I think I mentioned it in the interview itself, but honestly, you never know. You never know who you're going to sit next to when you come out to the ballpark. So please enjoy my interview with Karen Hoffman. So I'm sitting here at the absolutely gorgeous PNC Park with... Karen Hoffman of of, uh, Upper St. Clair, Pennsylvania, which is just outside Pittsburgh. All right, nice to meet you. So, uh, oh. Get him, get him, get him. All right, there we go. There's one down. So you were telling me that you spent a little bit of time as a sports writer in your days. I did. Uh, I started sports writing in 1973 in Minot, North Dakota. I was the first woman sports writer in North Dakota. And in 1976, I became the first woman in the United States to win a Sports Writer of the Year Award from the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association. Oh my goodness, congratulations. Well, see, this is you never know who you're going to sit next to at a ballpark, no, but uh, this is quite special. Well, well that is, congratulations. That Thank is an you. unbelievable Thank achievement. You. So you were telling me that you covered the 79 uh, series, which must have been quite an exciting time, especially as a Pirates fan. Oh, absolutely. I mean... Uh, that was that was a, uh, the series was against Baltimore. We had uh, beat them in 1970. We beat them in the World Series, and we got them again in '79. Uh, that was the year that Chuck Tanner's mother died during the World Series, and we lost the first two in Baltimore, as I recall. Came back here and we won for Chuck. I mean, we we took two games here, and I think we won the last two in Baltimore. As I recall, they had a 3-2 to two lead in that series. You better check that out, though, because you're talking about a lot of years ago now. Yeah, no, no, that's all right. Well, so <laughs> I've spent many years of my life covering sports as well, and I've covered my, my hometown teams, but never, you know, actually winning a World Series. I covered my Tigers in 06 uh, when they lost that series, unfortunately. Yeah. So what was it like for you covering the team, needing to keep, you know, keep some sort of objectivity, but obviously inside, yelling and screaming and just, well, just going nuts. But that's the wonderful thing about sports writing. You have so much more freedom in sports writing than you do in straight news. That is very true. You can put a lot of emotion into your stories. And, you know, Willie Starger was our first baseman. He was Pops. That was the era that we, our family, was the big deal and yep. the Stargell stars and everything. And and the, it, it was it was the kind of series that you dream about. I grew up with a dad who grew up in Boston and grew up loving baseball from my youngest youth, uh, but never dreamed I'd be a sports writer and or cover a World Series. And I remember the last game was in Baltimore and my paper wouldn't send us to the out-of-town games, but I was working that night at at the Washington Observer Reporter in Washington, PA, which is just about 15 miles south of Pittsburgh. I could not watch the Orioles bat. I would walk up and down the hallway. <laughs> and yeah. when the Pirates were up, I'd go in and watch, but I could not watch the Orioles bat. We won that series. It was, and of course, since then, uh, we did okay. We did okay in, in, in the 90s when, when, sure. when, when Detroit's manager, when Jim, Jim Leland, Leland, was here. We absolutely. were great. But he foresaw the, the downswing on the Pirates, and he left us in, after the 92 season. And it's been a long, 
long time since the Pittsburgh has had anything to cheer about in baseball. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, this year, a lot of us are talking about playoffs. I just want to win 82 games. I just want a winning season. It'll be our first winning season in 21 years. I'm actually with you 100% on that. I see a lot of the younger kids talking about playoffs, playoffs. They haven't really gone through 21 years of just I mean, last year really broke my heart. You know, I saw McCutcheon starting, you know, to break down there at the end. That 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 touched me. You know, that was oh, that that was he, awful. He was an MVP. He had an MVP season. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, until that, until that awful World Series, and then that awful 19-inning game. That <laughs> that what was his? Um, can't remember the umpire's name now. We all hate him, though. <laughs> Missed that call on home plate by about 10 feet. Yeah. Called the guy safe when he was out. I mean, it was. That just broke our hearts. I would have bet the house last year that we would have had a winning season. Yeah, me too. All right, we're, real quick, we're going to take a quick break here for the seventh inning stretch, and then we'll be right back. Hold on. So we're back from the seventh inning stretch there, and you were just telling me that you actually grew up uh, a Milwaukee Braves fan, so you got to see Hammer and Hank. I so got to see Hammer and Hank. This was in Milwaukee. I was not a Braves fan. Though. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was a Dodgers fan. Duke Snyder okay. was my player. Okay. And one night after a twilight doubleheader, my, my dad knew some people who worked for the Braves, and we were able to stand right outside the, the clubhouse door, downstairs inside the stadium, and all of the players were coming out, and my dad was getting more and more excited. And a guy comes out, and Dad says, Duke, oh, Duke. And I said, Dad, that's Walter Alston, the manager. <laughs> and Alston turned around, and he was laughing. He says, Duke's still in there. I was about 10 years old at the time. That's you know? awesome. But Duke came out, I got his autograph, I have a baseball that he signed to me, I have a game-used bat from Duke's night that, that I got, uh, they're handing out at the game. So uh, so those were days, but that, those are Hank Aaron, uh, Eddie Matthews on third, Aaron in the outfield, an unbelievable, both of those guys were unbelievable players. But the most fun player to watch for the Milwaukee Braves was Warren Spahn, that sure. great lefty. Absolutely. When he would put that kick up, I saw, we only went to Dodgers games against the Braves. Maury Wills was on first base and, and Spahn must have thrown to first base 30 times. Everybody was booing. <laughs> Even the Braves fans are booing him, but Maury Wills is a great base stealer, yeah. you know, so he wasn't going to let him steal, but yeah, I, I, you, when you grow up with baseball, it's just... It's, well, so, okay, it's, so this is the thing. You have no idea how excited I am right now because part of my tour is trying to find more women that, you know, come out to the ballpark, you know, and I've met some amazing, awesome women thus far over the last couple of months, but this is one, you are you are the real though. You are who I've been looking for for two months oh, right now. Oh, you're so sweet. But he, here, here's a, fat, a hair fact for you about PNC Park. We've been season ticket holders since, I think, the last three seasons at Three River Stadium. So. Uh -huh. So this is like our 14th year now, something like that. But before the game, when they're going to play the national anthem, our announcer would always say, please rise and gentlemen, remove your hats as we honor America. Mm -hmm. Well, we know Frank Cooley, who is the uh, president of the Pirates, and we were at one of these preseason things, and I said, Frank, <laughs> I said, women wear hats to the ball game, and I think that is a very, and I'm not a, I'm not a feminist. Sure. I never was. Even as a sports writer, I was never a feminist. But I said, it is blatantly sexist. I said, I leave my hats on because they say, gentlemen, they, they changed it. I heard that today. And the reason that they, the guy that the guy said that he, he, he fought it, when, even when Cooley went to him and said, change it, say, and, and just, just say, please rise and remove your hats. Take yeah. out the gentleman. And he said, there's a law 
that says only gentlemen have to remove their hats. Because in the old days, women's hats would be pinned into oh, place. right, right, right. So it actually was written into the law that at, <laughs> at, at games, only men had to remove their hats. And that's why this guy, the announcer wouldn't change it. But finally, finally he. Yeah, no, I mean, the that president says change it, and he finally changed it. Oh no, absolutely. But that's fascinating. I didn't know I that. Didn't think and that's something you ought to look up because I didn't know that either. But that was, that was why he wouldn't. That didn't is very that interesting. Answer. All right, so but because um, one of the things I'm trying to figure out, and I actually I talked to a young girl uh, about this, and I'll, I'll tell you what she said in a moment. But why do you think, or what do you think we can do? to bring more ladies out, to bring more women out, more little girls out to the ballpark to make them actually fans, not coming with their boyfriends or their husbands or their sons, but actually coming and, and following the game. When I was in school, I graduated from high school in 67. Until Title IX was passed in 72, there was no sports for girls in public schools, none, okay? And that's 99% of the reason why you would never maybe see little girls at the ballpark. Now, when I was growing up, I was always, I was at the ballpark. I was a little girl. On Sundays here in Pittsburgh, we have what they call kids' days. And before the game, a little kid will be at each base and in the outfield. And the players, the players come out and they sign the ball and give it to Nine times out of ten, more than half of the kids out there are girls. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. It's awesome. Our, our ball girls on the on the, yeah. on the we have we have girl, we've, we've always had women out there young women out there if, if you if you if you go back and look through old photographs of games in the 50s you will see a lot of women in the stands. Well, I met a woman a in Baltimore who said she grew up here, and when she was a kid, I believe it was either the 50s or the 60s, they would have ladies' night, and she would come, her and her sister would come with her father. And that was the first I'd really heard of a ball club that early, trying to really say there's a ladies' night, let's bring the girls out. So Pittsburgh seems to have been on the forefront of bringing women to the ballpark for quite a while. I would, I would, I would hope so. I would think so. I'm still waiting for them to have a, a woman announcer, you know, a woman play-by-play -play or a... Uh, a woman caller announcer would be great. Uh, well, the young but, lady that that, that uh, I spoke to in San Francisco was mentioning that for her, because she's a big baseball fan, yeah. she's about 20 years old, and she was talking about how it's it's it might be because at a certain point they make the little girls stop playing baseball and make them play softball. And to me, exactly. I agree with that, because exactly. softball and baseball are so different of sports. They're not. I've tried throwing a softball, and my arm doesn't do it. I, I cannot do it. Do you realize that girls play basketball with the same size basket, yep. with the same height exactly. as the pro, as, as boys yeah. do? Yeah. There's no reason for there to be two completely separate sports. Look, I'm not saying softball is a great sport unto itself, it is, but, but it's, I think that... To play. I agree. The ball, you uh, you cannot hit a softball as no. high as any any and to get woman. A grip. And to get I a know. grip on that, any woman out there could catch a, a fly ball. <laughs> yeah. In in a major league ballpark. Oh, and just the exchange from when you're catching the ball, the exchange to throw it. Exactly. Oh, it's it. I can't. It's actually it's a harder game. They're they're heavy and they're bulky <laughs> and it, it is. It's I played softball when we were in North Dakota. It was really the highlight of my life because it was the first time I actually played in an organized league. Believe it or not, Minot, North Dakota, they have softball leagues in the summer for, for, for kids up to people in their 60s and whatnot. Le they're all in leagues. They're all in the leagues of comparable sure. talent. And and uh, so I played for maybe four years when we lived out in, in North Dakota. And it was great, but you men do not realize how much harder it is to catch a fly ball when it's a softball. I agree. And it has no height on it. Yep. <laughs> You, do, you have no time you can't to just get, get You under can't it. camp under it. You got to really be. You got, you got to get there fast. And out here, I mean, you can camp for for, <laughs> for 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 twenty seconds before the thing comes down. You know.
All right, so we got to get back to the game here, but I want to just ask you a couple of last questions here. So the, the first question is essentially, if you can just tell me your absolute favorite memory here at PNC Park, whether it be as a writer or as a fan, just the one moment that you can say, this is quintessentially Pittsburgh baseball, this is what it means to be a Pirates fan. And then the second uh, question is just, if you can remember your earliest memory of actually coming to any ballpark, whether it be with your father, your friends, sure. whoever, and just kind of what it was like you know, when you first laid eyes on a diamond or on a stadium, what yeah. it felt like. Yeah, um, well, I have to tell you that my quintessential moment in baseball other than the years that I was a, that I was a sports writer, and I didn't do it for professional reasons, I always bring my glove to the game. Yeah. I had never caught a foul ball. But in the last Friday night game of 2004, we were playing the Cincinnati Reds. D'Angelo Jimenez was at the bat. At that time, those two seats were our season ticket seats. Foul ball came back. I caught that thing. I was 55 years old at the time. <laughs> it was, without question, the life memory of my, of my now 64 years of life. That was the most exciting moment of my life. It was a, it yeah. was a fly ball. And to me, to, I, mean, I had tears in my eyes the whole rest of the game, you know. That is something that only another baseball fan understands. Because believe me, I've been going to games for 25 years. I've gotten close several times, but it's never and, happened. And it doesn't count if you catch it in your bare hands, and it doesn't count if you pick it up off the ground. But if you catch it in a glove, you feel like a ball player. I know? agree a million percent. That was a highlight. But but for, for Pirates baseball, this season there have been so many highlights. But I think it's the way the Pirates have come from behind in so many games. They're not giving up the way they, they you know, they just seem to collapse if they if they fall behind in, in previous seasons but I would have to say that probably one of the one of the absolute highlights was when I was here with my nephew Willie Stargell was still playing and he hit a home run well that would have been three River Stadium but he hit a home run that went into the into into the right field upper deck at, at three River Stadium here at PNC Park oh boy PNC Park the highlight, this is baseball. <laughs> I know, it's been a rough it couple is. of decades for oh, you. Oh, it has been. And now everything's just kind of coming together, you know. I think when uh, Starling Marte came up, sure. his the first pitch thrown to him, he hit out into left field. Nice. And I think he had two home runs that game. I think he did, yeah. And that, that clearly was a highlight. The same thing happened with Garrett Jones. He hit two home runs in his first game here. Okay. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, just about anything he did. Well, the, the, there was a, just a couple of weeks ago, there was a play he made out here. I mean, he must he ran in between where Tabata is and where uh, Neil Walker usually would be out there just on the on the grass. Yeah. He came all the way in from center field and, and, and slid on his butt and caught the ball. We're talking about 100 feet, though, that he ran. Oh, he, and oh easily, easily. Right. The, the speed in this outfield is unbelievable. I've been noticing that you guys got a lot of speed out there because you got a lot. It's, it doesn't look that big, but it plays big. You got a lot of outfield out there. Um, 410 there in left center, which is a, a deep part of the ballpark. But all right, so then now, what is just if you can remember your earliest memory of you know really coming to? Well, a ballpark? my very first ballpark was actually at Wrigley Field in Chicago. We never got into the stadium. My dad and his mother from Boston were there. I must have been four years old at the time, five years old. And it was starting to pour, it was starting to rain. We were just coming into the, to the concourse and dad saw a man going up 
the stairs, and he said, that's Hank Bauer, that's Hank Bauer. And, uh, and then my grandmother said, it's raining, we're not going to stay, so. <laughs> I never even saw the, never seen me saw the field, but Milwaukee County Stadium, we, there were night games, uh, sat about, well, it wasn't where that guy was hit tonight, but it was just beyond where the dugout ends here. My dad and I were about five rows back so that I could look across and see Duke Snyder in, in, in the, oh, in the state, in the, uh, in the dugout. Yeah. And that was the day that I got the baseball signed by him. That you know, the, again, dad knew somebody with the pirates or with the uh, Braves, Braves yeah. and they went down and had him sign the ball and brought it over to me while I'm sitting there in the game. I mean, that wow. Is, you know but, what? But an old man was sitting, there, we were right on the aisle, five rows back. The guy in the first seat on the other side got hit by a line drive. Right above his right eye, oh, the no. ball bounced from his head inside first base into, oh, into fair territory. Oh, my God. And that guy just sat there, blood <laughs> streaming down his face. They had to help him out. They had to help him out. I thought, they, I thought, oh, my God, they must have killed him. But when I saw that today, that gave me a lot of memories. Yeah, we had another one today of a gentleman getting hit uh, down uh, by the visitor's safe. dugout. It's not safe. No, it, you got to be alert. But you know what, though? It's... it's I don't want to end it on a, on, a, on a down note there, so we'll just <laughs> we'll do something else. Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, let's see. Well, Chuck Tanner helped. I'm also diabetic. Chuck Tanner helped me through a di uh, low blood sugar episode once. You gotta tell me that story. What is this? <laughs> this was back in, in the in '79 season. Uh, I missed a, I missed a game. I, I covered several a, a lot of the Pirates games, but I didn't want to go into the locker room. Okay. I was a woman. This was still in the still in the late 70s. I mean, when I came into sports writing in '73, there were no women sports writers. I mean, mm -hmm. it was a it was an absolute rarity, and I just felt I didn't travel with the team. I didn't know the guys that well. I was really uncomfortable going in. But it was a, a, a the, the game before that I had covered had been Bat Day, and the fans had been throwing. It was Dave Parker Miniature Bat Day, and the fans had been throwing these bats out at, at Dave Parker during the game. Oh, and apparently in the locker room, there was a big blow up. And I missed it because I wouldn't go into the locker room. So the next game I covered, my boss said, you will go into the locker room. So I did, you know, they couldn't keep me out because title line and all that stuff. But clearly my blood sugar was, was, was yeah. going down. And I, I still remember uh, uh, Jim Bibby <laughs> coming up and saying to me, are you here to make love to me? And I said, no, no, I'm, I'm really not. <laughs> you know? But Chuck Tanner, bless his heart, would, would take me into his office, which was into the clubhouse. Here's the clubhouse, just right there is his office. Sure. He would take me in there, close the door. If I wanted to interview any players, he would bring them in. But I'm interviewing Tanner, and I'm realizing I'm making no sense at all. And sometimes for a diabetic, I'm, I'm an insulin-dependent diabetic. When your blood sugar goes down, and it goes down rapidly, which mine obviously had, you fight the fact that that's ha you, you you're too far gone to know that it's happened. Yeah. So you just assume that the rest of the world is going crazy in front yeah. of you, you know. But finally, I managed to get out the, the word diabetic, and Tanner was up out of, off his chair, out into the locker room, got a coke, brought it in, and sat there with me for the next 40 minutes till I came back. That is amazing. He yeah. was a great, great man. Yeah, that's. That's a better way to end this. And I'm telling yeah. you, I could honestly, I could sit here and talk to you for the next six hours. This has been <laughs> an absolute pleasure for what, me. I've got your card now. I will uh, send you an email. Okay. I'll give you, um, 
you'll have them my email address and I'll, I'll include my phone number and if you ever want to talk about you know if, if you're serious if you have other questions you know my memories my specific memories about things at the age of 64 are not as good as they used to be no i'm telling you we got to keep in touch because this is i this I, is I wanna, fantastic i want to read your book too so oh, yeah, no, know, I, I definitely want to read your book all right well, it was so it was a pleasure thank, thank you so much thank and good luck to you thank really you. good luck and we're back i hope you enjoyed that interview as much as i did Thank you so much, Karen Hoffman, for sharing some of your stories with us. PNC Park, I miss you already. I'm definitely going to be coming back sometime soon. Hopefully, one day to see you in the World Series. Because this place is going to absolutely lose its mind. And I want to be here for that. Head on over to runningthird.net so you can take a look at some of the pictures that I took. And some more of my expanded thoughts on the stadium you really do need to check out those photos. Just such a beautiful ballpark, such a beautiful city, such an awesome fan base. PNC Park, you're doing it right. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at RoundingThirdMJ. If you have any questions or comments or stories or really anything at all that you want to chat about, shoot me an email at RoundingThirdPodcast at gmail.com. Blake White, thank you so much for the intro and the outro music. Please head on over to iTunes Search Blake White, more like myself, buy his album, enjoy it. You will absolutely love it, I guarantee it. Icarus Ronan, for the help on the web design and just a countless number of other things that you've helped me with over my lifetime. You are amazing. Thank you so much. Krishna Jane, I'm going to thank you for helping me with the photo editing, but this is the episode where you were lucky enough to be able to touch up some pictures of PNC Park. So while I'm going to thank you, I do feel like it was a bit of an honor for you to touch up some photos of this beautiful PNC Park because it was an honor for me to take those pictures. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you who download and listen to this podcast. It's almost over. Three more stadiums to go. So I hope you'll all stick around as I continue to round third. Heading for home. Third with Manish Jane.